0: All
1: system ready. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10, an EVE Online Small Gang PvP podcast today is episode 12 the big 12 and uh it's just blood and i today so uh blood why don't you say hello and kind of get into what we're going to be talking about today
0: hey guys uh it is good to be back and i'm excited eve vegas was last weekend so there's a lot of discussion we're just going to kind of go over some overview stuff and talk about um in our last episode we made predictions so some of those were actually pretty spot on and um just talk about some of the changes that were are coming um, from that, and our thoughts. Um, but it's not—we're not, not going to go into super detail.
1: The first one, uh, jag nerf, right? Like, yeah. Oh, we've been, yeah, we've we've been complaining about jag since episode one.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, and and like that's cool. That's great. I think it's a long time coming. wasn't really surprised. I was like, all right, cool. I think a lot of uh, things that were talked about. Whether it's there was a lot of talk around new player development, which has been in the spotlight for like four years now, um, but a lot of just the general themes seem to be quality of life. So whether it was designing a UI that made more sense for new players or uh, Jaguars, right, these these kind of quality of life things. Um, and I, I saw a lot of, on Reddit of like, oh, I wasn't really impressed or, oh, there wasn't anything big really talked about. But for me, like I'm okay with that because there were a lot of what I see as like systemic small issues that haven't been addressed for a very long time, getting starting to be addressed. Um and I feel like that's good. Maybe yeah, not flashy. Um, yeah, maybe like okay, Vegas has traditionally been, you know, this, that or the other or whatever. But I liked a lot of the things I was hearing and a lot of the discussions. Um one of the talks that was given, was CCP Rise was talking about core development, core gameplay in general. And he spoke about a lot of things in a very generalized context. But I found it really interesting. He talked about how when they make more drastic changes, they can get more accurate information about the player base's reaction than if they make like small incremental changes. And as developers, that helps them moving forward to understand how the the changes that they implement or the systems that they they create or tweak are going to play out a little bit better. So, I found that really cool and interesting. Um and overall like I was I was pretty happy um with or I enjoyed getting to watch a lot of the coverage of Vegas.
1: Yeah, and I think like rise touched on a lot of stuff like like you mentioned the the big changes compared to small changes but i i what i took home from e vegas was the creation of of team talos which i feel like something like this uh has been missing for years so if you if you aren't familiar team talos is essentially a team with ccp rise and some other devs and they're they're focusing on making basically you could say like more rapid changes to smaller maybe low hanging fruit things that like ship balance module balance those kind of things that like a lot of veteran players have been saying is needed um this has kind of been on the back burner since tier aside really like years this thing has kind of been on the back burner so i was pretty happy to see that and that there's basically a dedicated team to that kind of change again Um, but speaking of those changes, like we just talked about the Jag nerf, but I wanted to get your perspective on this because it wasn't only a Jag nerf. It was a nerf across the board to all AFs, right? So you have the, the Jag got a fitting nerf, but then you also have a 10% um, nerf to to the velocity of all AFs, right? So what do you think on that?
0: Yeah, I think that I felt like the velocity across the other assault frigates were actually fine. I felt the Jaguar is the only one that was an issue with its speed in particular. But I think the fitting change could have solved a lot of the issues around the Jaguar um, that, that made the ram jag so powerful. And so I'm not really a fan of the speed change. I feel like that creates a situation where kiting retribution really aren't going to be as playable um feel like you know the ishker has no spot really um it's you know that's that's kind of where i'm like all right i guess um yeah i don't know i, I feel like i still if anything need to fly them all um <laughs> and really like feel how they match up it, it might be yeah better in low sec where you're dealing with a much different meta right like afterburner metas and one of the ways you used to be able to fight consistently that i found really fun was you could you could fight assault frigates in t1 frigates and faction frigates because you could leverage your speed advantage and then more recently that hasn't been the case because assault frigates are as fast or faster um but have substantially more tank so there was a little bit of that kind of what I consider vertical leveling, you know where uh, there is a just a better tier ship that you you can't position against or you can't really leverage a certain attribute to to beat. and so it that might shake up the the meta there, but in terms of context of like small gang and response fleets and stuff like that, I feel like the speed is actually gonna make you know the retribution just not really viable um people are gonna fly droggers or um kiki more you know other other ships Yeah. You know, so
1: so i'm i'm pretty happy with this change because you end up having it okay it seems like the theme of ccp's decisions here across the board are trying to slow down the meta a little bit you have a buff to combat scepters which really like since they removed qualification from them they were completely useless They were overshadowed by assault frigates in every single way. And now you have a buff to those ships kind of bringing them up and a nerf to all assault frigates, which again, I like in general, trying to like balance that speed and tank between the class, the frigates, the T2 frigates. But if I'm fine with the AFs being, being less powerful, if the meta gets slowed down to where battle cruisers and, and things like this, you see them roaming more and the meta just overall gets slower and, and more open compared to the last couple of years as to what I would describe as a very fast meta. Like everything has to be fast. It was like speed creep since 2012, like the max. So that's kind of my opinion, but I feel
0: like you're right in a lot of ways. It feels like they're trying to equalize or, or kind of um, make the distribution of speed more uniform. Um, so yeah, like I I agree with you I guess in that area the the one area where I'm still I I feel like there is an imbalance. You mentioned how like assault frigates took over the role of tackling from like interceptors. I feel like assault frigates overshadowed Tech Three destroyers in every way, and there's really not any reason to be flying a Tech Three destroyer of the same class, right? If you want to fly a Confessor, we'll just you no know, fly Retri. Um, if you want to be flying a Swipple, well, no, fly a Jaguar, like or a Wolf. Like uh, that's that's one of the areas that I'm a little confused on as far as what's the role of Tech Three destroyers in comparison, and how does that speed nerf to assault frigates that that doesn't really help the the Tech Three destroyer class at all. I feel like so. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's still some work to do, but I'm happy with a, a speed nerf to to Jags at at the minimum. If it means a speed nerf to the other ones, okay. Um I like I said, I feel like the retri just might not be vi- like as, as as viable. I don't think as many people are gonna fly it as much. And yeah. I felt like it was a I felt like the retribution was in an okay spot. Um yeah, I don't know. It depends I do depends too. On and it's measure. definitely
1: it's definitely collateral damage. And like I said, it's I'm liking it based on the fact that I'm hoping the meta will slow down even more, but we'll have to see. Otherwise, it definitely yeah. is collateral damage to a a, a a jag nerf, essentially.
0: Yeah, but I'm a fan of changes over not changes, right? Absolutely. Even if they are a little extreme, that's awesome. It means that we ha- there's churn. We have to readjust. We have to make new and interesting decisions, fly different ships. That's ultimately, I think, good.
1: Yeah, it gives room for people to think outside the box and and come up with m- what might be the next new meta. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we also had, aside from that, we had some AC, like Auto Cannon Medium Auto Cannon, uh, buffs hinted at, which we haven't seen any details on yet, but uh, suspect that's coming. That that's pretty cool. Uh, we saw, I believe we saw the first talk of the Anzblix jumps gate, gates having to be. Anchored 500 kilometers outside the structure, right? So that only leaves it within range of the Keepstar DD. Is that correct?
0: I, th- I believe so.
1: Yeah. So you it you can't get might tackled. Even be a little
0: outside of the Keepstar DD. Not sure.
1: I think maybe you can chain out to it because the Keepstar DD okay. chains, right? But anyway, I'm not a I'm not a that kind of I player, mean... so I don't fire Keepstar DDS, and I've just been owned by them. That's it. So, but anyway, <laughs> it's a great change, and they initially. We're going to leave the ones currently in game; they'd be grandfathered in, but uh, that was reversed, and they are going to be offline after a period of time if they're not moved. So, uh, Bravo for that! I, I'm super happy they decided to go back in and and reassess that because, um, yeah that that would be terrible. And that's more empire <laughs> building stuff, so we don't need to get too far into it. But yeah,
0: I was going to say yeah. that mostly affects like big fleet sov fights being able to. Mitigate people's ability to travel and and stuff like that, which we don't necessarily do. It'll be fun for us to be able to tackle people on ex- Anzeblexes and not get DD'd or whatever. So, well, that, that's the
1: thing fun. you can you can use it to force a fight from a small gang perspective, right? Which is awesome. Yeah, for sure. Because you can just go camp camp Anzeblexes, and you know they actually have to come push you off, not just use this structure to to wreck you, which which I am yeah. super welcoming, but.
0: Yeah, and then they did talk about um, command destroyers are going to be limited in the number of ships they can jump at one time, and it's going to be a random distribution. So this is specifically kind of around Stuka fleets and and Raven. Um, but yeah, twenty five I think is the number, right? Yep, they settled on twenty five. Rise kind of said that one group that they you know within the CSM or whoever they talked to like wanted more one group wanted less this is kind of the middle ground they're going to start and see where it is one thing i thought was kind of cool how he phrased it was that you might randomly jump off from that group right if everyone's just bunched up well if you if you have like say four command destroyers that are supposed to boost in order to get everyone to go right well one of the command destroyers might include in its 25 one of the other command destroyers and that boosh may end up moving that command destroyer out away from the, the main group, right? And so then it some people get left behind and creates this whole system. So it'll be interesting to see how people um, work around that. Again, that's kind of more empire building and large-scale fights. It doesn't affect command destroyers in terms of small gang. Because I, I can't tell you the last time I tried to boosh more than like four guys off of me or off of a gate with a Command Destroyer alt. Yeah, that's that's mainly the main use we use for Command Destroyers within the context of small gang. Yeah, you're boosting
1: less than 10 people in small gang.
0: (laughs) Yes. So that's where they were, you know, he he did kind of touch on the idea of we want to make changes that um, solve this problem on, like, the high end but don't really affect the small end, right? And um, don't take away A lot of the uses for skilled pilots or 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 individual pilots right so kind of interesting
1: basically you can apply that to anything in eve that needs to be changed like right (laughs) it's always about uh weakening it from the from the macro level but uh the small the small groups you know hopefully they don't get affected and that applies to everything including like the big sob changes right Yep. You, don't want, you don't want the little guys to be affected too much, but hopefully it affects the big guys and kind of break up that donut a bit. But Yeah,
0: and then they did talk about some of the after effects that they saw from um, things like Blackout and stuff like that. So one of the things that they talked about as far as impact was botting, and with Blackout, botting really decreased, but PvP didn't. So they learned some stuff there. And there's actually a whole other presentation on just the botting and data and stuff around that. So um, all of the, I actually didn't watch eVegas over that weekend. I've been watching it at work this week. And so all the videos are on their Twitch channel. Um, they're just past broadcasts, the videos. Um, it's like the last three. And they're they're named incorrectly, but you can just skip through and stuff. And so that's what I've been, watching them and um yeah it's if you're listening to the podcast i feel like you're pretty invested and if you haven't seen that content i like listening at least to the developer talks there's also player presentations um i really liked listening to eve scout johnny splunk he talked about um his background with eve scout enclave and um uh, how their their site with there came to be and then he announced um, too many FCs, which is like a twitch integration of Twitch plays Eve, which I think is cool. I actually hopped in there and played around with it. It's cool, but I don't think it's gonna get the same kind of like notoriety as um, you know Pokemon like Twitch plays Pokemon or any of those. But it was cool. it was fun. I went in there and I realized at one point I was the only one that was like entering commands. And so I actually flew the character to Jeta and I tried to give him a ship like could run level 1 um but the character that i had in gita didn't have skills to power the gun and so when i got the ship to the character the guns were offline and at least currently like the twitch integration that he had didn't allow me to turn the guns on so in the future i if if i go back in there and i start messing with that character more um and i realize that i'm the only one giving commands i may bring one of my other characters and like have a fully fit up ship with online mods and like eject from it in space and fly that the you know the character to it <laughs> kind of situation nice. and board it. So it was really interesting. Um I think it would have been kind of hectic if there had been a lot more people playing with that character, but he just has it running on like another PC at his house, he said, and he's just gonna keep it running and let people play around with it and explore. I actually thought it could be a really cool teaching tool, too, for people who are just getting into EVE. If you're talking to somebody and you're like, oh, hey, go to this Twitch channel. I'm going to start entering bots. I'll try to try to show you what I mean, like, you know, if you don't have the ability to, like, stream or, or screen capture to somebody. So
1: kind of cool. Yeah, in that regard. absolutely. I also saw that. I thought it was pretty cool. But uh, I don't know. Is there anything else from EVE Vegas we need to kind of talk about? Uh, I think we kind of covered know, so I like, think all we're... the main points.
0: Yeah, those are like the main big presentations that I watched, and
1: yeah, yeah I think people... the general tone was like people were dissatisfied with the lack of of something huge, and that's that's fair. Um, but i i don't I don't really think that's what is going to save save Eve. If if I can sound dramatic, um, I, I think uh, consistent good changes like the Sino change I felt like that was a really good change. Blackout, uh I felt like it was too even though I personally liked it, I felt like it was too polarizing of a change. Um it really impacted a lot of people negatively and, you know, that was obvious that, it, that people were very vocal. Yeah. But I feel like consistent good changes CCP needs to win back some of the trust of a lot of its veteran players at the same time they definitely need to improve player retention on the on the uh the new bros and and I know that's a big priority of theirs and I, I agree with it completely more players in the game more new blood um it, it just makes for a healthier stand- sandbox so I'm yeah. on board with the plan we'll see how it goes yeah
0: i was going to say the other thing i'm always a skeptic about they there are times in the past that they've had lofty plans and just not executed on them or they've had these these kinds of we're we're gonna do six week sprints, uh, constant updates, lots of feedback, and then like, you know, six months down the road, they're like, all right, well, now we're switching to like a longer cadence because we give up, or yeah, I, you know, it just kind of like, all right, so so I'm like, yay, uh, team tells hashtag like, yeah, go Eve or whatever, and then it's like, all right, six months from now though, like, I want to check in, like, hey, have you guys actually done that? <laughs> like, are you actually yeah. making those changes? Right? Like
1: in six months, of CCP Rise is like on a you know n p only team again i'm just gonna be yeah i'm gonna throw my ha- oh, ha- arms okay. in the air and play tarkov for the rest of my life i don't know <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> so. we'll see we'll see I'm, I'm i'm very hopeful like i'm always a bit of an optimist and uh and, and i did like what i heard i wasn't one of the naysayers so we'll see how it goes that's you yep, vegas
0: yep. boom
1: another thing we're gonna touch on um and this this i i apologize this is gonna have a negative tone um CCP Falcon just announced that he is leaving uh, CCP and you know a lot of people make speculations and we're not going to do that here I don't want to get into you know hi- hypothesizing about why he decided to leave Um, but in the end just remember this is someone's career and this was a very dedicated person dedicated to Eve for years and years and years and uh, we should respect that and realize that Everyone needs breaks in life from things, especially things that they're very uh, dedicated to, you know, I've been very dedicated to my career for a number of years and every so often I also feel like I want to step away from it. So uh, I, I sincerely hope we will see uh, CCP Falcon back in EVE Online as if, it, if not his character from before Falcon, um, a new player, a new character, you know, who knows, maybe he doesn't want to be known. I hope to see him in, in New Eden and uh, and good luck wherever you end up, man.
0: Yeah, I would love to see some like fan fiction because I think he was one of the main people that was involved in like lore writing and stuff along those lines.
1: Yeah, he, he ran a, a very successful uh, pirate corp called Vito, which uh, which kind of had a bit of an RP aspect to it as well, if I recall. Um you know, from from back in the day, you know, where I think players were a little more involved in the whole, not really like hardcore Mythos. RP, but but kind of like the, this is who we are, this is what we do, and and role playing that way, like through action, not like, uh, you know, real role playing.
0: Yeah. So and and so like I I don't know um I think like that aspect of Eve is interesting, and um I I'd, I'd love it if like Falcon involved in that since
1: yeah so yeah i don't
0: know how that works though like with like being a dev ndas stuff like that if that's even viable (laughs) be cool
1: so guys we'll get into our next uh main topic here in a moment but first the following is a sponsorship message from uh, anonymous patron of the less than 10 discord ap loves his faction guns he loves them so much He doesn't want the rest of you to know that 200 mil faction rails are cheap and amazing. Don't be an AP. Spread the word. All right, guys, we're back from our uh, quick commercial break. And uh, this was uh, our main topic today is is like a listener question, kind of more of a listener suggestion, I should say, than a question. But we had someone reach out and and say like you guys talk about meta ships and fitting into meta comps and you know a lot of these ships are expensive. A lot of these ships require implants like snakes and things like that. And man, like that stuff's expensive. And I feel you, man. I just I whelped two snake pods to hoard in the last month. So I feel you. It is expensive. You're right. So we wanted to talk about how you can fly nano gang or small gang. Uh, well, like, good performance, but in ships that are relatively cheap, where you have really, really, really good um, performance to price ratios effectively. So some of this is going to get pretty nerdy, like, not going to lie, we're we're going to get into this. Um, So let's do it. We're going to talk about ships, we're going to talk about implants, and we're going to talk about drugs. So uh, what do you want to tackle first, Blood?
0: Well, so I, I think before we pick a specific area um i i kind of try to phrase everything or or think in the context of value so that's i kind of think of it as like some sort of ratio of price to effective and that's both for ships for modules that go on those ships and kind of that's that's like a lens if if i'm thinking about pvping in an efficient way like in in terms of Cost efficiency, or or just you know budget efficiency. That's the decision making process that I'm trying to weigh. Is how much benefit do I get for the cost of this item? And so that's kind of what we're going to be looking at, and kind of trying to think through a process more than just here are these recommendations. We're going to have like some. Um, there are certain chips that I feel are just very very effective for their current cost but that changes so in the future that ship may not necessarily be that good but the process should still be pretty similar and the decision making around that as well so one of the first things that we kind of wanted to talk about was just implants because those implants that a lot of people use you know mid grade snakes a full set is pretty expensive you can get some good value and and good additive uh, attributes out of relatively inexpensive implants and if you're flying in low sec or uh, areas where you're less likely to get potted those implants may last you for a very long time
1: uh, absolutely and and so... like you mentioned low sec and null sec and like even if you're in null sec some of the implants we're going to talk about like they're they're so very cheap you know you can put like a 15 mil pod together um going on like one and two percents and you know it's it's worth it like you may as well if you're really struggling but you want to still get the feel of like not wanting to lose your pod and that kind of stuff um i I would very like i would recommend it just just go for it and you know pretend you're in your snakes and you'll get that feeling um and and you still do get a slight performance boost for a very little amount of money but we'll kind of get into the specifics here a little more than just the generalities. So, you know, we kind of talked about this before the show and we we settled on the 3%s being like a very good bang for the buck, right?
0: Yeah, I think 3%s are where when you start you go from 3 to 4%, you start kind of getting an exponential increase in cost, um but you're only getting but you're getting a very linear uh benefit, right? Three percent, four percent, five percent, but the cost goes up substantially. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, even two percent are going to be useful, but the price difference between two percent and three percent isn't massive. So those three percent, I think, you get that added value um, for for the cost. There, a lot of them are around twenty million is. Um, they're not super expensive, um, and they, as you start to kind of add a few of them together, that that rely on the same principles they actually start to benefit themselves like yeah i guess i, was, I don't know how to say it
1: okay, but, like comp- <laughs> it compounds the benefit like you really start yes. to feel it right when you have yeah. so like yeah
0: so if you have like a benefit to your navigation and a different uh module benefits your agility well part of your your ship's speed is calculated off of agility so the benefit to the agility passes on to the navigation and you end up with, you know, like an overall, you know, five or eight percent total speed bonus, something along those lines. So that's kind of where we were focused on when thinking about the three percent in different slots. And we really focused on speed. I think in small game context specifically, speed is kind of gonna be more universal. You can definitely look at some tank module or tank implants but speed kind of translates from one ship to the next very uh very well so you're making that investment into these implants uh and that investment can carry over into a lot of different situations
1: absolutely so let's just run down the quick and dirty less than 10 recommended uh speed implant set for for a cheap pod so this This starts with the slot six. So in slot six, there's two implants. They're both around the same price. One is the AC603 or the NN603. Uh, These are a bonus to uh, prop mod. uh, The velocity, the speed bonus from them. So AB and MWD speed bonus. And the other one is your ship's uh, native velocity. So like it's it's unprop modified velocity. So both of them... Are good. Uh, Blood and I were talking. It, it kind of depends on how high your ship's uh, base speed is to depend on which one is, is better. I think if you have a, a higher base velocity speed ship, the um, the the one that affects your base velocity will give you more bonus than the than the other one. But either way, you can't go wrong with any of those in slot six. Slot seven, we're going for an EM six hundred three, which affects your agility. Again, it's around the same price. Um, in slot eight, you have uh, the only real good implant as far as speed goes there is the Zors Custom Navigation Hyperlink, which is expensive, it's 100 mil. So you can emit this one. There are other good things in slot eight. I would turn to uh, like missile or gunnery um, implants there, hardwiring. And, and then the same with slot nine, you can kind of go to a gun or missile, hardwiring depending on your ship and, and weapon size or like an armor repair uh, hardwiring there. So I would prioritize speed if it was me and and yeah, just kind of feel what you can find. Um, another recommendation I would have is if you, if you are looking and you, say you're like, you know, you uh, let's say it's common to use a Cal Navy warp disruptor if you're low on CPU. Well, you could also try to fit something like an E-603 in, in that slot 6. Um, or likewise, power grid EG-603. If you find yourself having to like bling your fit to make your, your ship work, instead of putting a blingy mod on it, maybe just fit a fitting mod. There's also uh, a slot 10 hardwiring, I believe it's slot 10, called weapon upgrades. And that will reduce the fitting requirement of your weapons. That's another pro tip if you can't make your fit work, you can get a cheap implant up there to make your fit work um with with the with the fitting requirements so I don't know that's that's basically implants, I think right I don't know what else what else yeah yeah i
0: actually I just went and looked at at you know uh pods that I have laying around. And this is essentially what I call like my poor man's snakes. Like you know, they're they're just pretty inexpensive. Um, I don't know if I'll link uh, like a screenshot of it or not, but I have standard uh training implants in the first four slots, and then I have I actually have a power grid six oh four. Then I have rogue the the EM seven oh three. I have Zor's custom hyper navigation. Then I have two drug related uh implants, and that's like my kind of default like poor man's snake pod. Um I think like the total benefit is around like eight or nine percent speed bonus. Um and so it's not as much as a uh a snake pod, but definitely is a, a decent little uh boost, especially like I think I have this one in low sec for like frigate afterburner fights where thirty or fifty meters a second is pretty uh, important <laughs> it gives yeah absolutely. Range control you know so.
1: another thing um right before that great segue about drugs um with with your drug implants um I just wanted to mention that there are some awesome resources out there where uh it you can make it so that it, it's like a spreadsheet, and I'll try and find it and link it, and you can just select which type of expensive implants you want um and It will automatically go through and select the the best ones of each type. You know what I mean? So uh, You can see the the how can I explain this you can see the performance benefit for each one and you it, it will like Organize them by cost so you know a full mid-grade snake set is sometimes not the best cost to performance sometimes You'll get more speed per ISK if you use like a couple low grades and a high grade in that set, for example. So, anyway, I'll try try and find it and post it. It's not really for cheap pods, but um, it it does show all the speed bonuses across the the board. So, I think it's. Yeah, I know
0: one that's really common is ascendancies. For like mid grade ascendancies, I know a lot of people swap the Omega out for a like warp speed. I think it's like a thirteen yeah. yeah, yeah. percent, or maybe it's an eight. And yeah, it, and because it's just it's still a good boost that builds off of those initial um implant sets, but it's a a, a much lower cost for specifically that omega implant. Yeah, it's
1: it's more even the high grade like all the Nix clones you see with like hyper they they have high grade ascendancies except for the omega um because the high gr- the omegas are so expensive you get a really good performance boost out of the the hardwiring instead of the Omega ascendancy. Mm -hmm. So even like if you're using, you know, a a Nyx, like those guys won't, you get a high grade ascendancy because they're so expensive. So anyway, you can apply the same kind of premise of like cost to performance, you know, for for everything. Um, So let's kind of get into drugs because drugs are something that a lot of small gangers use a lot. And there's some pretty cheap drugs that can be quite effective out there. You should definitely always use them. Um, so I'll cover the uh, like non-traditional ones, and then you can cover the traditional ones. By that, I mean like the originals, okay. the ones with penalties. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I categorize drugs in two ways, the ones that give penalties and the ones that don't. The ones that don't give penalties are the agency drugs that we've recently seen and the uh, drifter drugs, which are the anti-pharmacons. Uh, the, the anti-pharmacons are generally pretty expensive. Um, so, you know, if you're interested in those, look into them. They are good, but let's not talk about them today. Cause we're kind of throwing a budget theme into all this. So overclockers overclocker ones are like dirt, dirt, dirt cheap. Like the cost of a rifter overclocker twos are like one and a half mil each. Uh, so use them <laughs> like use them, do it. Uh, you should especially if you have you know those cheap three percents in for speed that we were talking about now you're adding to that with an overclocker it, it will really help you feel the need for it um don't you know don't carry 10 around with you just grab like one or two for your roam or if you're roaming fairly local just pop one before you leave or put in your cargo and keep a little inventory window open in the bottom of your screen and then pop it once you get into a fight uh, so definitely overclocker. You can also use the pyro, the damage one. Uh, they're a little more pricey, so keep it, you know, one, maybe two. But look at the price and you can decide. And then the other one is the, the tank agency booster, which, you know, if you're looking to brawl, I guess, do that. But uh generally, like we've talked about before, we're not really brawlers around here. We tend to kite and run away. So I don't use the agency tank one, but I would if... Uh, if I wanted to brawl, so.
0: Yeah, uh, and then in the standard context, um, the drugs that give penalties, I kind of focus on just a few. Um, anything where I'm flying an active tanked ship, I do think that the, the drugs that relate to that are beneficial, the defensive drugs. So that's going to be your blue pill and your exile. Depending on your price and kind of the risk you want to take because there's penalties. Um, I personally use standard a lot. um, But synth is a 3% bonus that has no penalty. And they're very inexpensive. Um, Depending on which drug, I think they're usually like, I don't know, 5 mil a piece. Um, Your standard is going to be more around like 20 mil a piece and has a potential for downside. But you can get up to a 20% bonus. So, um, I really kind of like I said, I, I stick to the defensive ones. There's um, some that in certain situations are really good, like drop, which improves your tracking, or crash, which improves your missile application. But those have specific downsides, and um, I believe drop has a downside to speed. And so, that's why I tend to shy away from those in in a lot of the context of flying small gang, uh. But yeah, blue pill and um and exile I yeah. usually will use.
1: And, and, then, and the Synth are super cheap, man, they're like uh, less than a mil for synth.
0: Oh really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Even even less than I thought. Um, <laughs> so that's like, and that's a three percent bonus, right? So uh, if you've ever been in a fight that you end with like. 3 or 5% armor hit points, right? Uh just think about that in, in or structure hit points. Just think about that and how long that, you know, how many rep cycles did you go through because that would be the difference of, you know, potentially winning or losing a fight in like 15% structure. Um the other one that I like to talk about are uh frentics which improves your optimal range. Uh so that I feel like is pretty useful in certain ships, when you're looking at flying a ship like an Osprey or an Omen Navy issue or a Retribution, I feel like the most of your focus on that ship is built around its optimal range, and so even just a small improvement there is going to be beneficial uh, and and can help uh, extend your range or extend your damage just a little bit. So, those are kind of the, the main ones I stick to. There's a lot of others that people do use. Uh, when I'm considering the context of added value to my ship's performance, I tend to shy away from, like I said, kind of drop and, and crash. Uh, I, I stay away from um, the drugs that improve falloff. And so, it's really those three that I, I kind of stick to um, Blue Pill, Exile maybe for ticks in a certain situation.
1: Nice. So uh, that's drugs. I think we kind of got that nailed down. So now we're going to get into the meaty topic of ships. And when we both thought about this question of like, all right, what's the most cost effective solo small gang ship out there? We both to the, came to the exact same conclusion pretty quickly, which, uh, which would be the Osprey Navy issue?
0: Yeah, hands down. In the current state of faction warfare, th- and I, I guess in like the overall like meta of of ship pricing and economy or whatever, I don't know. The the Osprey Navy is currently available in Gita for around thirty six million isk, which means you can fully fit it for around fifty. And I feel like it does so many of the things that the Orthris can do, um, you know, really, really well, but at a fraction of the cost. So right. especially in the context of small gang, where one of your most pivotal roles that we talked about in, like, episode two is that role of anti-tackle, right? That's, that's what's going to push people away. That's what's going to keep your gang safe um, and, and avoid people getting tackled. The Osprey Navy is just, like, the best bargain brand ship that, uh, that I think currently is on the table.
1: Yeah, and the standard ONI uh, fit is going to have a couple newts on it. You're going to have a web, you're going to have a cat booster, you're going to have an LSE, uh, MWD, long point, and XL ASB, right? Is that the fit? Yeah, there's
0: really there's three fits. Like, if we want to go into full detail, there's three fits that I like to run. They're very much based on circumstance. So, the size of my gang and whether or not I have logistics. Are kind of like the deciding factors, but the the first one is really simple to fly because it's um, got two large shield extenders, long point cap booster web MWD, and then it has like uh, rapid lights and two medium newts. So it's more it's you know it's really simple to fly in the sense that it's a buffer tank shield that you're you're just moving around. You leave the grid when you get pushed low. It has a lot of newting power with two medium newts, and and thus uh, escape potential. Um, So I I feel like maybe if you're a less experienced pilot in terms of module management or or positioning, you might gear yourself more towards that specific kind of setup. And so I really like that one. Then um, for a little bit more staying power, the The other one I really like to fly is an XLASB, a large shield extender, a uh, long point web cap inject, and MWD. I'm pretty sure I didn't go to, to too many mid slots there. Um, <laughs> but and that one just gives you a little bit more survivability. You trade off the extra tanking with the XLASB for instead of medium newts, you can put two small newts on it. Which still give you uh, the ability to potentially escape a small tackler um, and and stuff like that, but it's you know not nearly as powerful in in the newt uh, alpha as you know two medium newts. And the the third fit, which I r- really only run in a really really small gang where you have limited number of tackle ships and you as the anti-tackler may need to be in closer and do some some tackling, is it's a variation on the XLSB ver- like version. It has no newts, but it has an XLSB, um, a large shield extender, a long point, and a scram, and then MWD and afterburner. And what that does is, specifically, if if you only have four guys, and you're in a situation where your your tackle ship gets forced off, you can position yourself in close, and if you're fighting like a battleship, you have that scram where you could you could dive in, you could run by, you could scram that battleship's MJD, and then you can use your afterburner to either like mitigate damage or to then pull away back out to a kiting sort of situation and, and um use your MWD again. It's super micromanagement intensive. There's a lot of modules and it really it's only i think really fun and challenging in a certain context of small small group um, right. but those are the three main fits i like to fly
1: right on and i will stick on the theme of cruisers uh another one i mentioned was the Scythe fleet issue which is slightly more than the osprey navy issue hull uh you end up being a little faster i still would fly at rapid lights it's pretty similar to the I. it's just not as tanky uh, it doesn't have the defensive newts that the ONI has, and it is, you know, uh, you know, it's just not quite as good. But still good, still would recommend it, still cheap.
0: Yeah, and it's, people don't see it as much. They might be more willing to engage someone in a scythe fleet over an Osprey Navy issue. The Osprey Navy issue gets a velocity bonus. And so its missiles can fly a little bit farther. That's one of the main reasons I choose the Osprey Navy over the Scythe Fleet. But if you are positioning well and you can use the extra speed of the Scythe Fleet, you can, you can get into range and out of range um, pretty, pretty flexibly. And so the Scythe Fleet's also a really good um, ship for its cost in that, in that capacity.
1: Absolutely. All right, well, why don't we get into some of the other ships? Uh, Those are the two cruisers we'd recommend. I mean, I guess there's the Caracal. We should mention the Caracal. It's a great Rapid Light Caracal, super cheap. Um, If you have the ISC, I don't know, you should probably fly the other two we mentioned, but Rapid Light Caracal is is still viable. Uh, Unfortunately, it's pretty tough to really recommend anything else from the cruiser line, I guess. You could do kind of weird things like a Nano Arbitrator, I've seen people fly stuff like that where you kind of like, you know, kite, kite out an arbitrator and, and use drones. Um, can't really think of anything else off the top of my head that I would really recommend. You know, I, I've seen ruptures and stuff like that and stabbers, but
0: yeah, I, don't I think, think they really lot have of... the
1: performance that we're talking, that we're looking for. Right.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of ships that you can, you can use, you can make them, be effective um through your your decisions um but that doesn't necessarily mean they they really excel at the price point you know the, and and that's what I I with these two specific ships like part of the reason we we talk about them specifically right now is because their current price point but when Osprey Navies were 110 million a piece I'm like oh it's still a good ship but it's like eh, at that point the the price is a you know maybe a little bit high. in my brain i kind of think of their their effectiveness being around 90 million is because like that i don't know why but i feel like that's kind of like the break-even point i'm like it's a good ship for 90 million isk um (laughs) so when it's at 36 i'm like it's a really good ship um but so yeah you can do a lot of different things with a lot of different ships and be and make them good but a lot of that comes down to your decisions and so that's where we'll start talking more about the general the generalization of ship classes that just add so much to your gang's capability that a standard fit like T two of that ship, even though that ship, you know, so like for instance, interceptors. An interceptor is gonna be around sixty million if you T two fit it. You know, if you bling it out and you go Three hundred fifty million, you're going to get a ton of added benefit. But but just the base model T2 interceptor, specifically Malediction or Stilettos, um, they just add so much added value to your group that their price efficiency is good.
1: Right? Yeah, and I've always said if if you're a good interceptor pilot, uh, you will be a good cruiser pilot because everything happens faster. You need to know how to manually pilot well or you die. You need to understand transversal or you die. So all these things are really key components to being a good pilot in in Online, a good small gang PVP pilot. And you can learn them while only being, uh, you know, you can learn them at 50 mil a a lesson, essentially, right? 50, 60 mil a, a lesson as you die in them. So I would highly recommend them and like you said they're super useful to your gang they enhance your gang's ability to secure kills um and especially the interceptor you'll be maybe a plus one like scouting ahead and looking for targets and you know you'll be learning how to d-scan like i if you want a small gang pvp you know fly a cruiser and sit on your heels and let someone else kind of dictate what's going on or fly an interceptor and be the person that's making it happen for your gang
0: yeah and so like that's we're kind of talking about like this broader topic of okay, is something accessible, and why is it accessible and that's where i I feel like the the why of interceptors is their role within a fleet is just a necessity right and and even if interceptors were a hundred I would still say like you need to have an interceptor in your gang um and and that's kind of like. Just because of that, being able to scout and being able to tackle, and and those those at core attributes that come along with a, a good interceptor pilot, um, you know, we talked about two specific anti-tackle ships in the Osprey Navy and the Scythe Fleet, but really any anti-tackle focused ship is also very good. So whether that's a Jackdaw, um, those those kinds of roles. If they're done by good pilots, or or even if you're you're just learning, but you have a specific role that you're focused on, you're giving added value beyond the price point of your ship. Uh, And so that's where I was kind of we're talking about in a broader context, like gang balance. And I say if you have one interceptor and two anti-tackle pilots, you have a gang. Like that's like the core concept for a accessible Fleet in small gang. Beyond that, you you can expand out. You can grow that bigger. But if you have an interceptor and two anti-tackle pilots, you can you you are accessible. Like you are in the mix. And
1: um, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I and what's like that like? Concept. Literally two hundred million isk with cheap pods and and you know T two fits oh, yeah, I, and you're you're good. Like I
0: think two Osprey navies and a stiletto. You're you're looking at under 150 million, esque right there. You're you're probably around yeah. 130 or something. And so then let's
1: let's throw in another like, let's throw in another kind of ship class here. The EAFs, electronic attack frigates. What if you added like a T2 fit carries to the mix now?
0: Oh yeah, like, you just they're full they're force multipliers, right? Like they that's where if if you add in a T2 fit carries is still super, super good at its job. And again, you are expanding the capabilities of your fleet. You're expanding the with a specific role, and you bring a lot of added value to the table. Same with a hyena. I think carries an hyena, and a hyena, even just T2 fit, they bring a lot to the table. And yeah, I think they're very um, efficient ships within the the context of small gang as well
1: yeah absolutely um and then so that's that's frigates we kind of got frigates done and we also kind of delved into what a gang would kind of look like but there's one more ship class that we kind of uh wanted to talk about and that's t1 battlecruisers and we picked two of them which we would kind of deem as the most viable um and that would be the hurricane and the brudix so why not the say Ferox or Drake and the uh and the MR uh BCs, the the Harbinger, yeah and the prophecy. So let's talk about this.
0: Yeah, so you know, actually I don't know if the Drake might be
1: viable. Yeah, I guess you could do like, I'm the, a, pod, like pod the Drake, <laughs> right? Like the Right.
0: That's what I was thinking. I that mean okay,
1: funny. let's yeah, let's add it. Just cause yeah. it's just cause it's the the sick pod the Drake. Pod the Drake yeah. is a, a term, guys, that goes way back. Um, oh, I don't know how, 2011 or something, 2010 maybe. Um, and it's basically like a nano, uh, a web HTML Drake. Um, and, you know, the Drake's seen a lot of changes since then, but uh, some people still fly. Drake's kind of themed that way, especially the Drake Navy. I've seen people fly like that. Um, so, yeah, anyway, Pod the Drake... Let's add that, so three, okay. let's
0: say. Yeah, and I mean, you can make T1 battlecruisers work. Um, these, specifically the Hurricane and the Brudix, the, part of the reason that I'd say they're better than the others is because they both um, are, are fast in comparison to the others. The Harbinger is just really, really slow. The Ferox is really, really slow. Um, and while the Harbinger and the Ferox both uh, apply damage at range... Uh, or, or they can project damage. They don't necessarily apply it super well, um, and so the the hurricane and the the Brudix, their speed allows them the potential for applying damage better. And uh, specifically in the small game context, I would use like a rail Brudix and an artillery hurricane. And then what you really bring to the table is being able to bring a link um, to benefit your your group. So. Uh, Specifically I would choose a skirmish link um with with a speed boost to just uh again be- create a bit of a force multiplier and added value to your group and um yeah then like with insurance they're they're very inexpensive when you start looking at faction variants of battle cruisers the cost gets a lot higher. And while I think they're very, very good, you know, Brutix navies and hurricane fleet issues are super great. The cost is much, much higher. And so that's where you start, uh, again, kind of having this evaluation of, well, what's the value that I'm getting from it? And, you know, if if you're on a budget, where do you fit in? What's your skill point like? Are you actually going to have good benefits behind that skirmish link? Or is maybe... Maybe it'd be better that you're in another cruiser-type DPS um, ship, you know. So that context is is where we bring those hurricane, the hurricane and the Brudix in, is being able to project damage, um, be kind of that that more damage focused or damage centric ship within a, a group, and bring a link um, to benefit a, a command boost to benefit your, your fleet.
1: Right. And with the recent warp speed changes, like, you know, you, you, throw, especially if you throw a single hyper on, like, you're not going to notice the, the big ship warp speed changes at all. Um, so don't worry about that. And also like I fly my HFI already, but I recently flew an AC R uh, uh, hurricane. I mentioned it, I think previously I was flying with like AP and some guys are on low sec and, uh, it was super fun flying the, the AC hurricane. Um, so you know, don't be afraid to give that a try as well. It was like a standard shield buffer hurricane, like, same one people have been flying for years used to be more popular than it is, but was still super fun. And it was entirely viable, like, you the tracking is is quite good. Um, so especially against smaller ships, like, you're super happy,
0: yeah. And like, with the warp speed changes combined with you know, assault frigate nerf, um. I think I I think that we may be seeing more battlecruisers and battleships in in roaming gangs in that DPS role and I think that's super great. I'm not sure that we're there yet but like that's that's kind of uh would be really good I think for small gang and and for having these more rounded fleets with individuals in in roles getting to specialize and and you know show their skills in those areas. Because a lot of I don't know the last year and a half, a lot of the fleets that I saw were six retributions or ten jagdaws you know like there wasn't really that even even within the context of small gang, a lot of times it was just very kind of uniform because we had certain ships that were able to defend themselves and and were specialized, and you kind of had to stick all all people into that category and now with more diversity, it creates more interesting gameplay but also creates like better budgetary decisions you know like if you're like hey I don't want to spend a 100 mil on a ship but I'm okay with 50 right like it, it gives you more options and into different ship classes
1: yeah absolutely Um and then I don't know like I kind of I don't know if we should talk about this or not because it might get into like I guess okay so you can fly AFs as well without blinging them and and do okay like the retribution doesn't need to be a 250 mil retribution um i would probably if you were gonna bling it and fly snakes i would probably fly the adc uh single heatsink fit rather than the dual heat sink no adc but you know that's like 60 mil and you can fly a retry if you want to have that kind of style of ship um other ships you know i i think you could even like it's getting a little pricey, but you could probably do a Kikamora without, like, with a bit of sacrifice from the standard, like, 250 mil small gang fit and fit them for, like, 120, 140, I, I imagine, right? What do you think? Yeah. I, I haven't looked at it super oh, closely. I just so thought about this, but, you know, like, a no snake Kiki would be okay as well with without, oh, hey. without the faction gun. That's the key because that gun is, like, 80 mil.
0: Oh for sure. Like a Kiki is still going to shred ships regardless. Like it's just very good. Um I think one of the general themes when I talk about fitting my ship and and kind of thinking about budget is just T2. Like you know, and and one of the biggest reasons not to T2 fit a ship, yes, you you can get added benefit out of, you know, a a faction warp disruptor, but one of the biggest things is actually just fitting requirements way less CPU usage. But so if, if you have the CPU or you're really trying to just be more budgetary focused, put a coprocessor on or something instead of a nano and just know that like there's going to be a situation where you might just not be quite as fast as, as you otherwise would be. But just being kind of focused around a T2 fit is going to be still effective in a lot of situations. Um, you know, you need to maybe pilot a little bit differently and make a little bit different decisions or, or know that, yeah, if I can't point out 32 kilometers, someone might get away, but that's okay. Um, you know, and, and so that's kind of one of the other themes I tend to focus on. I tend to go T2 fit. And if I'm going to bling anything, it might be going to a Dread Garista's warp disruptor Um, Because of the CPU benefit, that's one of the most common faction modules I use, but it it really is focused just specifically around the CPU usage.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think think we got her pretty well covered. How do you feel about this?
0: Yeah, I think um, this was like a really cool question, (laughs) and it's a great topic. I think you can take this topic to varying levels and varying extremes, right? You can yeah. you can phrase it within a context of well, I want a budget within 50 million, and and then you go okay, well that's probably going to start to exclude anything battle cruiser and up. It's going to exclude any faction cruiser, right? So you, you start putting more restrictions. But it, it also if you say okay, well I want a hundred mil budget, right? That's going to be a very different set of ships that you start with and your build process can change as well. So it, it comes down a lot to the person that's making the ship. You know, talking with you or some of like the Hydra or Tuskers guys, a lot of them see added value or added benefit in really expensive ships um, because of the way they fly them and because of the, the apex predator nature of what the, the fights they're trying to take on. And for a lot of those people, the budgets aren't necessarily a constraining factor, right? So it's kind of interesting. Like I remember having this conversation with TikTok way long time ago. And I'm talking to him about, you know, flying a. He's he's got high grade snakes, Garmer that can point out to. I think at the time it was like, well, there were off grid links at the time, and so he could you could point out to like almost eighty kilometers, right? This was pre-abyssal mods and different things. But and I was talking to him about it in terms of, well, you're really not at risk. And he said, well, it's not about risk. It's about being able to fight anything that comes around. He right. said for him, right, it was worth it. All the cost and and the different things were worth the idea of being able to fight anything. He goes... Yeah, I might not be able to kill anything. You know, a battleship can tank you forever. But I can fight anything that comes on grid. And and so that was kind of like an interesting perspective. I was like, that's not the perspective I'm going to take in the future. But it's an interesting perspective. And I can see the the value that you're seeing in this setup. And I can like kind of respect that. It was kind of cool
1: yeah and and that's kind of a good segue because i wanted to talk about a a ship i've been flying recently and uh it's expensive i'm not gonna lie but it's expensive because i wanted to try to do something that i hadn't really seen done before and and i'm going to talk about that now and that's uh as you guys know i've talked about this legion that i like to fly before which is a nano rapid light missile launcher drone legion uh, so I'll just go through the fit real quick. It was rapid lights. Uh, in the two utilities high, highs, I used the newt subsistence. So I used two medium newts. And I always carried a Mobile Depot with probes for one of the newts if I wanted to use probes. In the mids, it's MWD long point, cat battery. In the lows, it's two C3Xs, the ball and ass damage mods that affect drone and missiles. Uh, nano, armor rep, uh, damage control, ENAM, I believe. Uh, and then my rigs were always a poly and either two hypers or a poly and like uh, two missile range rigs or something along that, something that increased my my damage application and range. So what I did was I thought, and I was talking to some other people about this on Discord and stuff, and they're kind of helping me out and giving me some inspiration. So, so the heavy nuke curse is a thing that people do, right? Uh, you make some fitting sacrifices. You throw a heavy newt onto this curse. It newts really far and a really large amount. So I applied that same idea to a legion. So although the legion doesn't have a range bonus, it has a big newt amount bonus. So what I ended up with, without t- spending too much isk, is a modest abyssal heavy heavy abyssal newt that uh, that has an okay range. It's about twenty two kilometers optimal, but this thing newts eleven hundred and fifty gigajoules of cap. So that's enough to 100 to zero any desi and cruisers that don't have a cap modifier bonus, like a cap battery, if they fit an MWD. So like an Orthrus, I can pretty much alpha an Orthrus unless he uses a dead space MWD for no cap penalty. And this is super cool. Like it works really well for what I want it to do. I started doing this because the two medium newts I was strictly using defensively so, I couldn't like tackle a ratter and really neut him out because I wouldn't get close enough in case he was bait. So, I would just, you know, kite him out at like 22, 25, to, 22 to 26 and wouldn't use my newts. Well, now with this heavy newt, nu- I can like throw a heavy newt on something. It's a long cycle time, but if I heat it, it goes down to 18 seconds and I can use it offensively if I want. If I tackle like a ratter, that's pretty tough to break. But alternatively, what I want it for is to just basically be untackleable by small ships uh, because i'm pretty quick for a cruiser um, frigs can be pretty dangerous and i have a lot of tools to deal with them in rapid lights drones and now this newt that will literally 100 to zero pretty much any frig out there and then on top of that i have a small a dead space small newt which again gets bonused by the legion sub so what i can do is alpha someone's Cap and then just heat this uh small energy newt on them. And there's basically no way they're gonna be able to keep a tackle mod on me because the small newt cycles so fast and their caps already dry. So I'm literally every six seconds or like four point two seconds, if it's heated, uh, I'm draining the cap they just regen back to zero. And I got to use this in practice. Um my first encounter was against a saber that has a gang behind it. So he jumped with me. So I decloak and I burn away. And I'm like, I'm just going to frag the saber real quick. He burns at me. I get lock. He's like 30k off the gate now. And he suddenly stops because I literally alpha hit alpha his cap to zero <laughs> and it works so well. I didn't secure the kill. Because I put too much distance between himself and me and he was able to, I was like into deep fall off of my newt. So as soon as the next, like he regained cap, he got an MWD cycle back. So I should have like pulled him off the gate and then turned on him. Instead, I was flying a little timid and I didn't turn in on him for fear of the gang coming in behind him. But it worked really well. I was really happy with the way it worked. I also fought off some, killed a couple frigates. And my whole uh, premise, this, it's a call ops legion. So I would like go tackle a ratter and have them come, come try and catch me. I was flying in like really busy staging systems with like 70 to a hundred dudes at times. And I would just like decloak, frag a ratter, see what came and make the decision if I wanted to fight them or not. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It was really cool. And it falls into that weird kind of category of like, yeah, it's super blingy. But it allows me to do things that people don't expect, and it allows me to do something unique. So, yeah, I don't know. Heavy Newt Legion, uh, come join our Discord and yell at me if you think I'm being super dumb, or if you like the idea, like let me know. Because uh, I thought it was super fun. I don't know. What do you think, Blood? Yeah. Am I being dumb? Or is it, uh, is it pretty cool? I would
0: say it's not my style, but I respect it. Because <laughs> like, yeah. I, when I would hunt riders in the past, I liked the Stunt Stradios with like three medium newts. And the thing was that it cost pretty low. It was it was 350 mil for full fit. and And I felt like it did a lot of those defensive things as well, you know. And if I lost it, oh well, it wasn't a big deal yeah. um, but but like that's where I it's it, you know it's so much of like these conversations when when you get to nitpicky things, right these really in-depth topics, whether it's fitting and like the benefits of one rig versus the other rig, right like generally you can talk about core concepts like a ship being able to defend itself, you're like, all right these are probably the five main mods that you really want to have. But when you start to get really in-depth and really nitpicky, then there is a certain amount of that that comes down to personal preference, your decision-making, your personal like positioning, and your risk um, assessment. Like uh, One of the other things is I tend to... My decision-making is usually a bit aggressive, and I, that loses me ships. So my... <laughs> Because I'm maybe not so self-disciplined, my decision is that I will fly less expensive ships so I can fly and lose more of them, right? Like, but like, not. I don't know. It, but that's just like a one thing that I've like found in myself early on in my my Eve PVP experience. Um, and so, but that's not to say like, yeah, I've I've flown some pretty expensive like two billion isk, um, you know, hundred MN legions and. They were really fun, and they had a specific role and purpose. And that a lot of that role and purpose came down to the personal, um, you know, choices for that for that ship to and how how I was wanting to use it. So it's really fun. Yeah. And don't get me get wrong. That
1: that is the biggest negative of this legion. My legion fit is I do have to kind of fly it. Uh, you know, pretty pretty timid. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. But it's, you know, the, the, but the value to you is, is fun. Yeah,
1: you know? absolutely. And it's fun just doing something that's like not mm-hmm. cookie cutter. That's, that's the real enjoyment I get out of it is I'm not doing this in uh Loki like everyone else. Um. So yeah, it's, it's fun. I, I do enjoy it. And okay. So I used to kill a lot of V and in this thing. They were like the ship I would tackle because there were so many. And now there's Gila's. And I just got to say, I'm super impressed that I've been able to one clip multiple Gila's that were 70k EHP buffer fits ratting. Uh, These are like 10 (laughs) and AB Gila's and they have a little bit of damage from the site. But like I killed three last week. Um, I I couldn't play too much. I would just kind of like log on and roam a bit. And I killed three in quick succession when I was out roaming around and uh all of them were the same fit which was you know like triple lse with resist mods 70k ehp and i killed them all uh within one clip of the rapid lights one of them the drone finished it a few seconds after the la- i i ran out so like i i was actually super impressed by that because those gilas are pretty tanky
0: yeah for sure and like i think you know a large part of that comes with having a heavy newt and like potentially capping out from range, like from a safe distance capping them out or turning off a hardener, like that kind of stuff um, it's that's pretty substantial, you know, I think one of the biggest downsides of rapid lights are the reload time, so if you can kill something before the they go on reload, um, now uh, obviously with your legion you have like the added benefit of having those drones that continue on, uh, doing damage, and that's gonna be give you more flexibility than you know um a rapid light
1: loki or something like that yeah so
0: that's pretty cool yeah yeah
1: so uh before we just get into the outro and and uh our show poll results uh just wanted to uh give a shout out to a corp that's uh supported the podcast since near the beginning and uh today they're continuing to do so and that corp is the azir they're uh wormhole corp that's been doing small gang and we've talked about these guys before if you've listened to the show you've probably heard their name before so super cool group they are looking for more people to join their corp um they've been doing a lot of good like null sec hunting and and wormhole type stuff so if you're interested in uh if you're looking for a corp and they sound like a good group you can join their public channel which is null static all one word no spaces null static so uh Give them a look, guys. All right. And yeah, we'll kind of finish this up with our show poll results. Uh, this week, we, we had a, only a couple days for voting on this show poll, but uh pretty interesting one. I saw some videos from a streamer, Torvald. Um, he was doing Abyssal PvP sites and he was using like cheaper ships. And luckily, he was having a good time. So I myself have never done those. Um, and I wanted to ask our Discord community if if they have. So first off, Blood, what's your experience? Uh, the quick and dirty on on uh, abyssal sites. Have you done them?
0: Yeah, I I actually did a decent amount of um, abyssals in when actually I did tier fours in with a very budget Cerberus um, when I was living in a wormhole by myself. And that was back when you got suspect timers, and so doing them in a wormhole created safety. So I I did do those, and then when they introduced Abyssal PvP, I did some... um, For about three days, I was doing Abyssal PvP, and just my experience was that I kind of felt like there was a very, like, uh, rock-paper-scissors-type dynamic. Um, There's some certain circumstances that are set in place ahead of time, right? You know that you're going to be facing one opponent um, you know that you know certain popular meta type ships and and different things along those lines, and so I, I felt like uh, eventually it became kind of a pretty static um, environment. Uh sure. And and while I I do enjoy there's a uh, content creator Gustav Man- Manfred I think um, on YouTube, and he he mostly focuses on Abyssal PvP, and I think there's some really interesting fights. You know, in an individualistic aspect, and I think there's some kind of very interesting situations that you can you can get into where you're talking about okay, you know, most ships are going to have a reactive armor hardener, um, building up damage with your drones, and then you know some really niche tactics of switching damage types in order to reset their reactive armor hardener, and and kind of some of those things are really interesting, some very interesting fitting decisions. But ultimately, like where I came down to personally was with the abyssal PVP, I feel like a lot of what I enjoy about the about PVP in general and Eve is a problem solving um, and being able to look at the situation and make decisions. And I feel like a lot of that decision making gets taken away within the confines of abyssal PvP um, in That's terms fair. of. You know, one one major decision, and I think this is a legitimate decision in a fight, is whether or not you should leave. And in Abyssal PvP you do not have that option, right? Um I never actually ended up in a stalemate, but I know that they are one of the biggest frustrations around Abyssal PvP. And so for me, I actually answered that I just didn't really enjoy instanced PvP. I, I think the unknown, I think the ability for people to ambush you as frustrating as it can be sometimes i would rather be ambushed and say hey i did everything right um you know and and they as a group or whatever did better than in like abyssal pvp i did everything right and it came down to a draw and we both died right like yeah. <laughs> i just feel like the outcomes just like not not as satisfying so that's where I ultimately I just was like, and, you know, the money side of things. I was like, well, I feel like I can make more consistent money elsewhere doing other things. Um, I can get PvP more consistently elsewhere doing other things. So I, I kind of tried away from it. I was like, eh, not for me.
1: That was a very impressive uh, quick and dirty. I would love to hear the expanded uh, <laughs> commentary <laughs> one time.
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, no, I mean, like, we were chatting about, like, whether or not we want to do this as a topic. I would love to hear people kind of talk, uh, you know, whether in our Discord, just if you think that Abyssal space as a, as a show topic would be good. I think the consensus we came to is for both of us, we there's a lot of issues that we feel there is with Abyssal, and it would, again, be kind of like this negatively focused um, show. I think if if we hear from CCP announcements of abyssal changes or things like that, I think I'd be much more interested in doing an abyssal show. Yeah. Currently, for sure, for sure. it's not really our gameplay, and it doesn't as much fit with the theme of small gang, right? And that's really our focus on the podcast. Um, we talked about if they introduced three like three player frigate abyssal like they have for PVE and being able to do that into three on three PvP. I think that'd be more interesting and more small gang relevant and, and we might talk a little bit more in
1: detail in For situation. Sure. Well, let's go through kind of the results because they're uh pretty polarizing. Like it's it's all it's like very one-sided. Um yeah,
0: I was actually super <laughs> surprised. I thought there would be more yeah, yeah anyway, go into the show. The so results
1: <laughs> the, the answers um from most answered to like most uh replies to least was uh No, well, the question first, do you ever look for fights in Abyssal PvP sites? So the top answer, top reply was no, but I'm not against trying it. We had 27 votes for that. Uh, The next was no way. Instance, PvP, arrow to the right that way. So, you know, the the group that's against instance, PvP, and EVE. Uh, We had 12 votes for that. So 39 votes total because the other two answers of yes, but I couldn't find an opponent opponent or not enough opponents to enjoy it uh, got zero votes. And the other one, yes, it's, it's enjoyable and fun gameplay also got zero votes. So, you know, not a lot of Abyssal PVP going on in less than 10 discord. If you do Abyssal PVP, please join our discord. There's a link in the show notes we're about uh, over 140 people, and uh, I don't know I, if I must say so myself. I think it's a pretty good place to hang out and chat about PvP. We have a good variety of PvP playstyles from from guys that you know do Nullsec Empire stuff that like to PvP that hang to like diehard like calculated small gang PvPers to people that want to like roam battleships. People that make Eve content like video makers. Uh, People like uh Dank Guy and Von Hole who were on the show before, who like drop who specialize in like small game kind of Sino-based gameplay. So pretty cool stuff. And Winsai, our our uh, our our resident uh DD hunter in a sin, like he put a really cool story in Lesson 10 Discord about almost getting his Nicks caught when he was trying to drop people with it. And move around and he ended up putting the same story on Reddit. It was super uh super fun to read. So yeah, if if you're an abyssal PvP peer, please come join us and give us more insight.
0: Yeah, I, I thought there would be at least like I don't know, maybe like three people out of those votes that were like, Yeah, I liked it. And I was kinda surprised. <laughs> like so, um also these show polls, like we, we kinda do them just uh, also as like a gauge for um the the our community. And also, you know, when we're thinking about this uh, uh, topics for future shows or things like that, they come these these questions kind of come up through that process. And We go, okay, well, let's let's get some feedback, right? And it's like a really easy way um, to do that. And so it's kind of fun. I think it's like a good participation thing. It's funny. I'm actually like super quiet in our Discord, but I like to read through it, like on a weekly basis. I'll read I'll read through a lot of the conversations and topics that people are having, whether it's like People giving other people fitting advice or linking fits, or you know, arguing about something, and so it's kind of fun um in that regard. And yeah, um, we're yeah. always we want people to come hang out.
1: Chat. Yeah, I, I'm pretty active chatting as well. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm very active are. chatting.
1: But it's it's nice because I like I, we don't have to moderate. Like we haven't like a couple times we've been like you know like oh, okay, well you know people are allowed to disagree, guys. It's like simmer down. But that's about it, it, it you know, uh, which which I think is nice. I hope that never changes because um, yeah. there's been some really good conversation going on. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, with that, let's kind of just get to the uh, get to shout outs. I don't know. Do you have a shout out you want to make, Blood?
0: Dude, I don't know. I, I was talking with Yan a, a little bit earlier. He was on the show a while back. Old court mate, Yan Sharjewski. Ev- yeah, don't even say something. his last name. It's yeah, Father Yan. You know. Yeah, Father Yan, and uh, he's he's in dead orbit and been having a blast. It was, we're talking about him. He like pretty much went from Kronos, where we were flying like Retributions and Jackdaws, and now he's almost exclusively only flying Icky Tursas and uh, n- uh, Nurgles, Draugers. right? Draugers, okay, I was like, it's it's w- one of the frigate one or whatever it, the Desi, and uh, yeah. and it was just funny. He's like he's he's flying with wild things. Who's you know, an AT pilot and, it uh, just cracks me up like the level of hardcore that ends up happening. But, um, so yeah, I guess I'll shout out Yan cause he's a cool dude and I like him. And, um, we also have chatted about like real life stuff, like fishing and stuff. So good dude. And I enjoy his company.
1: Nice. Uh, I want to shout out, um, a dude I just mentioned, and that's Frederick von hole. Uh, I haven't, I stock his killboard like, uh, you know, like his kill, religiously like, yeah, like like it's a drug, and I'm a drug addict, basically. Like I love seeing him kill blingy shit and uh, and getting dropped by him was like, one of my highlights in Eve, believe it or not. So, um, he hasn't had any killboard activity for a couple of months, and i'm uh, I'm worried that he's, uh, you know, disinterested in the game. I'm hoping he's just like on the longest bait off ever. And like any day now, there's gonna be some amazing kill. but uh yeah frederick von holman come home let's let's get some kills boy let's see it
0: yeah and i'd I'd also like enjoy talking to him in a more specific context i mean when he was on with us talking about sino changes right and that was kind of those pre-sino changes and how they he felt they would really impact his his play style and um it's it's like I would like to kind of do follow up, honestly. Like, be like, "Hey, is you know, because if that's a major factor in like why he hasn't been active, okay, I I totally I understand. Like, not being able to use Asteros to do that it really, I think, does change the context of his gameplay. Um, and it would be cool to do follow up, but also to see like, okay, well, hey, is there is there some other tactic you're starting to focus on? Is there something else like you're thinking about doing? What are the other guys in your group that you were playing with doing? Like, because I liked his gameplay style, and I I feel like that going like right. We were talking about this earlier, where uh something being detrimental at a large scale and and trying to preserve the small scale elements without uh you know with while affecting the large scale, and I feel yeah. like that sign of changes fit in that category and we don't have a solution right so it's like i said i'd like to follow up i think that'd be really cool and i just um, love his
1: story it was like yeah yeah like we kept getting dropped by this dude pveing so we like baited him and killed him and then i became the most like feared dropper in the game basically like it's <laughs> it's pretty cool anyways
0: he's an interesting character dude like that's the that's the thing that gets me. He's just a really cool dude to chat yeah. with. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was I was talking to Blood a little bit about like, you know, the, our adventure of doing the podcast and and uh, having Frederick von Hull on, I think was uh, my personal highlight, just because I followed him for so long, and he had never been in the eve public ear. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and uh, this was our show was the first time he kind of came on a public show and talked or or did anything really public so and told the story and i i was super happy to be able to to bring that to you guys so yeah getting a little uh warm and fuzzy but uh we better stop before one of us tear up or something like that so (laughs) so just remember guys it's not the size of your gang
0: it's about how you use it